0: time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, They've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. We're in a series called DTR, Define the Relationship. We're talking about relationships. Last week we talked about fleeing lust. The week before we talked about setting a pure example. Tonight, we're going to talk about being pure. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for your presence and worship. We thank you for comrades that love you with all their heart. God, we thank you that we get to unite together with other believers, study the scriptures, worship, pray. We thank you for the examples that we have, even in what we saw in Seth. As a 16-year-old, he got a vision for reaching his friends, a prayer movement in his heart as a 16-year-old leader. Thank you for the work in his life. God, we thank you for for what you're doing even this weekend as we celebrate with thousands of kids from across the country. We pray you keep them safe as they drive here from states all over the country, 30 states, we pray that you protect them, keep them safe. We pray that they would have a life changing encounter with you this weekend. God, we want a life changing encounter tonight. So change us and transform us. And everybody shouted, Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, first John chapter one, verse nine. So John talking here, he says, If we confess our sins, he, he meaning God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. Say purify us. And purify us, say purify us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Last week we talked out of 2 Timothy 2:22. Remember we did that like seven times. 2 Timothy 2:22. 2 Timothy 2:22 and we talked about fleeing lust. And many of you made resolutions, commitments that with fervor and discipline that you were going to flee lust. That you're going to not only flee lust, but you're going to flee situations or environments where you would be around lust. And there was a a strong, all of us together, united, saying, we're going to flee lust. And there was some of you that told stories, you talked about whatever environment it is. From what sounds silly to what all of us know is a disaster. From the little things like, I'm going to have the fast forward button ready... The big things like, I'm not going to be alone with the girl I got the crush on. We talked about fleeing lust. And I was impressed and amazed, as so many of you said, at the core of this student ministry, we had so many of you that said, you came up here and you, sh- you made a star on the blackboard. He said, I'm going to shine like a star in my generation. And then you committed last week to not dating the whole time you're in high school. There's many of you that last week it was a resolution, it was a decision. And at the same time, you had many of you that chose not to. There's many of you that actually last week, you kind of pulled back in your heart a little bit. And here's what began to unravel in your heart. There's a part of you that wants to commit. There's a part of you that says, all right, I want to be sexually pure. I don't want to be a person that looks at pornography. I don't want to be a person that makes out with girls or guys. I don't want to be someone that's immoral. I I want to be truly a pure. I want to be a virgin on the day that I get married or whatever. And there's a part of you that goes, yes, I'm committed to that. But there's so many of you that you've fallen so many times. You've come short of that so many times. And sexual immorality has become such a part of your life. In so many different environments, so many different ways, that there's many of you that you didn't commit last week because truth be told, it's hard for you to face the pain, the brokenness, the disappointment of committing and falling short. Committing, falling short. Committing, falling short. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be a man of God. Then you face the pain of your choices. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Commit again. Going to go for it. You fall. It's one thing to commit once or twice. But about round 100. 200. 1,000. I've met many young men and women. That under the banner of disillusionment. And Disappointment. They stop signing up for sexual purity. They've got reasons why to hang out right where they're at. Maybe they say, I'm too weak. Maybe they say, I failed too many times. A couple guys say, girls think I'm too hot. Just kidding. One guy said that and he's the dumbest guy I've ever met. Some of you are mad at God. Some of you think it's because of the family that you came from. And tonight, I want to talk to you, for those of you that have come to the place where you've stopped coming before God and saying, God, I choose righteousness. God, sign me up for purity again. I want to talk to those of you that are a little bit reluctant. I want to talk to those of you that feel weak and feel broken and, and, and if I could really start to nail it, I, I don't necessarily think that for most of us, it's that the problem lies within your discipline. And many of you think, I just cannot do it. There's, some, I, I can't. I, I, I can't do it, therefore I'm going to stay where I'm at. I guess I'm resigned to being the guy that's sexually immoral or the girl that continues to uh, to, 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 to try to be you know, attractive to the guys and develop identity by dating and all that kind of stuff. And there's some of you that you've just settled in right there. And it's not, in my view, it's not mostly a discipline problem. The big problem, if you want to get down to the core and where we're going to go tonight... Is It's not so much the outer discipline, but it's a wrong view of who God is. When you get down to what what really is the problem, A.W. Tozer says the most important thing about you is how you view God. How you see God. And many of you, when you think about sexual purity, when you think about choosing, I'm going to go after this thing, I'm going to be pure, I'm going to be, literally, I'm going to flee immorality, I'm going to flee lust, I'm going to walk in purity... When you picture the conversation between you and God, you sign up, going to go for it. And this is how many of you see it. The first time after you've committed, you've said, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be pure. First time you fail. It's crossing boundary lines, physical relationships. It's pornography. It's coarse joking. Whatever it is First time you face the pain, come before God. God, I repent. I'm so sorry. You picture a God that smiles, says, I forgive you, son, daughter, and I love you. You move on. Second time, God's slightly more annoyed. God kind of gives you the nod. All right, I forgive you. Third time, you fail. Given immorality. You choose sexual sin. You allow lust in your eyes, your head, your heart. This time, God, God, I come before you. Come before you and I repent, I'm so sorry. Third time, God's got a fake smile on. Pulls out a stick to beat you a little bit. Yell at you a little bit. Fourth time. God's giving you a mean look. Fifth time. He's ticked. How dare you? Sixth time. Whatever, kid. You're a liar. You're just a hypocrite. Many of you that, if you're honest. That's how you view God. Because you... Mostly see God how you would imagine a kind human being. You've got an image of God that's mostly about the nicest person you know. As opposed to the biblical reality of a God who is love. A God who delights in you. And your false image of God. Because you have a false image of God. You start to pull back. And not pursue righteousness. Righteousness. In your heart you believe I have to earn God's love for me. And because I continue to sin. God is mostly bugged by me. <laughs> mostly a little ticked. There you are again on Friday night making out with the same girl. And God's up in heaven going. Idiot. Moron. That's mostly how you view it. But Tonight I want to talk to you about. Us transitioning from seeing God as the nicest person you can think of. And talk to you about when we look at the scriptures and we look at what a God of love is like. What God really looks like and how God really sees you. Because if you start to believe in a God that actually loves you as much as the scripture says that he does. Where it says that he sings over you in Zephaniah 3 or where David says in Psalm 17:8 that he that literally I'm the apple of his eye. Or John 17, where it says that he loves you like he loves his son. Or John 15, where it says that he loves you like his son. Or if you start to lock in with it, that he really delights in you, that he really loves you. That 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 core conviction actually is the momentum, it's the angle, it's the leveraging power, it's the strength, it's the Fuel that ultimately helps the freed heart live in purity. And that's where I'm going tonight. Because your God, who created you, who loves you, who sent his Son to rescue you from sin, to crush the devil, till then Jesus, who is resurrected, ascends into heaven. He then sets the example for us on how we get to live, and the Father ultimately truly loves his son with all that he has, so much so that he declares it, he yells it. Jesus always talks about how much his father loves him. And then Jesus says that he loves us that way. And when you as a believer, you as a 16-year-old, you as a man of God, when that starts to get in your core, then you don't necessarily see a God that's ticked at you, or a God that's mad at you. You see a God that hates the thing that's destroying you. That hates the sin that's destroying you. And it's out of the fact that he loves you that he wants to crush the lust. It's out of the fact that he loves you that he doesn't want immorality. He wants to destroy the thing that's destroying you. He wants to crush the thing that's crushing you. I've got four little kids. Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. I try to talk about them every week, alright? So here's my story for this week. So, a couple years ago, I came home and I found Olivia. She's four now. She was two then. And she had taken a knife. She had gotten a a, a little knife. And and it's scary enough to have a knife. But then she was uh, playing, trying to stick it into the electric socket. So I, at the top of my voice, screamed at Olivia, grabbed the knife. And in that moment, you could say, oh, you are a jerk. You were You were forceful. You yelled. You showed emotion. Olivia cried. It wasn't like she was like, thank you. She was scared to death. Olivia wasn't happy about it. But I didn't, I didn't take the knife away and yell and scream because I'm mad at Olivia. Olivia is in a moment where electricity could destroy her life. And so, I'm not mad at Liv. I don't want electricity coming out of the socket into Liv and messing Liv up. I love Liv. I'm a good dad. I love my daughter. And I want to make sure that she's taken care of. And you have a God that when you start flirting with immorality, lust, pornography, a relationship, A physical relationship as a teenager, stupid, stupid. When you start doing that, God's not going stupid, dumb, because He hates you. He's going, I want to destroy the thing that will take you out. When I look at my friends, when I look at kids, I've got 15 years in ministry stuff, and it is just true. When you give yourself to sexual immorality as a teenager, it messes you up. It's the number one way that the enemy is taking out our generation. And so you do have a God that is serious about this. He does want to crush it. He does want to get it out of your life. But it's not because he's a mean ticked off God with a pipe that wants to kick you in the butt. It's because he's a delighted, loving Father that sees the thing that's about to electrocute you. And he says, no. I yelled. I went. I got pl- those little plastic plug-ins. Now, for the last two years, I've been totally annoyed because it takes me so long to take those things out, plug the thing in, put the thing back in was, But ultimately, it's why? To prevent my kid from, ah! And we as youth pastors right up here in this front row of yahoos, you know what we're about? We're about putting in those plug yelling at you, saying, this is who your God is. We don't, we don't say, don't date. We don't say, don't look at pornography. We don't say those things because we're mad at you or because we're mean. We're doing it because as agents of what God's called us to do. We want you to go, listen, this will destroy you. This will mess you up. When I was in college, my favorite coffee shop was a place on 39th Street called the Java Joint. There's a few places where the glory of God rests. That's one of them. In fact, I think it's the only one in Oklahoma City, but... I was sitting at the Java joint. I was talking to an upperclassman. At the time, I thought he was so, so old. That's so weird to think about. I thought he was like, like grandpa. He's 23. (laughs) But (laughs) I thought he was old at the time. And uh, maybe he's 24. He had facial hair. (laughs) I guess some people get, anyway. And so, uh, so I was talking to him. His name is Philip. And um, Philip was one of the nicest guys you've ever met. I mean, Philip, Philip's a sweetheart. Philip, Philip is not a violent guy. Philip is kind. Philip was just one of the nicest guys you've ever met. And we're sitting there over coffee, we're talking. We're just having a conversation. He was a theology student. I was a theology student. We're mostly talking Bible. And then he began to tell me about an initiative that he was helping a local high school. And he began to talk about a cancer fund drive. With a kind of spontaneous ex- 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 exuberance, he began to talk about his excitement about this cancer drive. And not only did he talk about the desire to raise money to fight cancer, but then, but then, his, he, he, he just, he, you could tell he was just angry as he just began to talk about how much he hated cancer. And he wasn't, nice Philip suddenly became severe Philip. I mean, like, outraged Philip. And the reason is pretty simple. Philip was engaged to be married. (laughs) While they were dating, his girlfriend developed cancer. And what was supposed to be their wedding day, he had just buried her in the ground, she had died. So Philip's rage against cancer has no rage against his fiance. You want to know why Philip hates cancer? He hates the thing that destroyed his bride. He wants to destroy the thing that destroyed her. He wants to crush the thing that killed her. Your father, because he loves you, He wants to destroy the thing that's destroying you. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's mad. It's because he loves. And the very essence of love is he wants to spend an eternity with a redeemed bride. Ephesians 5 says, spotless, radiant. And you have a father. You have a God that he wants to destroy the pornography. He wants to destroy the immoral physical relationship that you continue to go back to like a dog to its vomit. He wants to crush it. Not because he's a mean God ticked, but because he's a father that loves. He wants to destroy the thing that's destroying you. You have father that does not condemn you, but that loves you. And his love for you is not your license to continue to engage in sexual immorality. His love for you is the motivation to return love back to him and to say no because you love him so much. I want to read a story out of John 8. John 8 chapter 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives Are you with me? You okay? You alive? But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap. In order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down; he started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, "If anyone abuses without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her." And he stooped down and he wrote in the ground. This, those who began to go away one at a time. The oldest ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there and Jesus straightened up and said to her, "Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you?" "No one, sir," she said. "Then neither do I condemn you," Jesus declared. "Go now and leave your life of sin." So here's this adulterous woman caught in the act they bring her before Jesus threaten to stone her let's give her the punishment she deserves whenever you read a story about Jesus we know what God is like by what Jesus is like Jesus is our picture of what God is like Jesus is God on the earth the way that Jesus interacts with human beings that's how God interacts you want to know what God is like look in the face of Jesus so here's what Jesus does. Those of you who are without sin cast the first stone. The oldest ones first begin to drop stones and they all leave. Here she is. We're talking guilty in the act. We're talking guilty, adulterous woman. Jesus looks down at her. Where are those to condemn you? No one. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. Now go, leave your life of sin. Neither do I. I'm the God of the ages. I'm the one who is perfect love. I demonstrate what God is like And I see you right here. Neither do I, I do not condemn you. Now, use that, this very fact that I do not condemn you. And use it as your motivation not to go back into another adulterous relationship. But love conquers your heart. Love, the fact that I love you and I do not condemn you. And you deserve, you deserve to be stoned. But I tell you right now. Neither do I condemn you. Go. Leave your life of sin. That's your story. Over and over and over and over again. Man, I'm looking for some young men and women that walk in sexual purity. I'm looking for people that have a, don't have consistently where they come back and say, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. But the reality is, is that the devil that is like a roaring lion, there are many, 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 come back over and over and over again. And the gospel and the truth and the goodness of Christ is just as true for you as it is the Holy Roller Kid. And it's just as true for you every morning. Every day. His mercy is new every morning. Hebrews 4, when we approach the throne of grace, we find condemnation there. No. When we approach the throne of grace, we find ticked off, mean old man in the sky with a gavel that wants to crush our teeth there. No. When we approach the throne of grace, we find mercy. So you have a God. Make out with the girl. Authentically, you come before God. God. So sorry, I don't want this in my life. I turn, I repent, I want to go the other way. He looks at you, neither do I condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. You fall short. Neither do I condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. You fall short again. Neither do I condemn you. Now go leave your life of sin. You fall short again. And in your temptation to, in your own strength, live the Christian life, you're tempted to go, ah, forget it, I can't do it. But this was never about you. This was never about your strength. This was never about your zeal. This was never about your real commitment. Watch this, I'll be a man of God. No. On the cross, Jesus paid the price for you not one of us finds any hope in our own righteousness it's all the righteousness of Christ it's all because of who he is and what he did and the very fact that in his righteousness you could stand before him as a man of God not because of your strength but because of his strength not because of your righteousness but because of his then you can be weak broken disillusioned frustrated with yourself Jesus, I choose you again today. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Jesus, three days ago I made that commitment. Yesterday I found myself in a situation and I'm so, I'm, it makes me sick the way that I don't look like you yet, that I, the way that I don't shine like you yet, but I want to and I desire to and I want more of your righteousness in me. And sometimes I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to, but I i, 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 I feel my my temptation right now is to give up because I feel I feel condemned because I'm condemning myself how do you see me I see myself as a messed up pathetic young man that just can't get this right how do you see me neither do I condemn you go and leave your life of sin look at me what do you see am I ticked You live in a time right now where you have the freedom to approach me, to be set free every time you approach my throne. Oh, friends, there will be a day where the final judgment will take place. Isaiah 55 says, but while there is time... While the, we could seek the Lord while he may be found. There's going to be a judgment day where ultimately those who did not take the righteousness of Christ, or they did not choose Christ, they will be condemned forever and ever into torment. But in the days that we live, we have the freedom to approach him, to find him, to look to him, to seek him. And to say, God. See, most of you... Most of you, the reason why you stopped coming to Jesus and repenting and getting clean before God and getting cleansed and walking out of here new and different is mostly because you've fallen so many times, you can't imagine a God that would love you like that. And out of your own pride, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to repent anymore. I'm not going to come before God and get clean anymore. Out of your own pride. But the way of Christianity is the way of the broken that just say, I choose you. And imagine, if you will. The heart that is absolutely transformed. Does not use that as a license to go out and sin. We died to sin. How can we live it any longer? No. Imagine the absurdity. The adulterous woman. She has that encounter with Jesus. Jesus. And then the next day, the suitors come again. And she goes, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe he'll, you know, I'm just going to take advantage of the fact that he was so kind to me. I know I saw God face to face. And he said, neither do I condemn you. And he told me to go leave a life of sin. But I'm just going to give in anyway. I don't care. No. No. That would be absurd. The response of her heart is when everybody else was going to throw rocks at me and kill me. I was going to die. He rescued me. He loved me. He delighted in me. He chose me. He forgave me. He redeemed me set my feet upon a rock and gave me a place to stand. He looked at me and said, neither do I condemn you. So when those opportunities come to that lady the next day, the the motive of her heart is not what can I get away with. It's, man, I love him. I want to obey what he said. I'm I'm going to leave my life of sin. I'm going to leave my life of sin. I'm going to leave my life of sin want to walk as far away from sin as possible. This community of people, this tribe of people, we want to be a people that say with, with confidence, God, we want to flee immorality. We want to, we want to put ourselves in the most strategic position to win when it comes to sexual purity. We want to make a pre-decision decision that we do not want lust to invade us in a culture and in a day where that's the number one thing the enemy is trying to make look cool and we know that it's destroying our generation. We do not want that. We want to live there. But we also want to live when you miss the mark, when you fall short, When you choose to sin, when there's sexual immorality in the camp, to be a people, come before Him. And I don't care if it's every day. Young man, I don't care if it's every day. God, I don't approach, I don't get to come near your throne because I'm so good. I get to come to your throne because of your grace. And I've said yes to the finished work of the cross. So when you look at me, you see the righteousness of Christ. So though the lie of the enemy is to tell me that I'm a hypocrite, I'm a loser, I can never be a man of God. I can never be righteous. I can never make it. I choose to believe what you say about me and you see me as a son that's returning home. You see me as someone that wants you and you see the willing cry in my heart to be a man of God. You see the desire in my heart to be a man of God. You know that I've said yes to you and so I come before you and I come before you again. I say, change me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and renew a right spirit within And you have a God on this day and tomorrow on July 15th and on July 16th and July 17th and July 18th and July 19th, every day he says, I'll take that. This isn't about you. This is about me. And as days turn to weeks and weeks turn to months, over time, you will become stronger. You'll become, you'll become stronger. I promise. It's possible. The problem is not, will you live it, and be it. The question is, will you come back to God even when you're weak? Even when you fall short? Will you see God rightly? Even when you fall short. And mark my words. We'll all fall short. Everyone in the tent will fall short. The issue is not what you do. The issue is after it happens, will you run to God when you sin? Or will you run from God? Will you run back to God and be the first one down here and say, God, change me? Will you in your arrogance and your pride and your condemnation pull back and run from God? big problem sexual purity in church, teenage lives is how do you see God? Do you see a God that will delight in you? they will help you. they will give you strength. Andrew, if you guys will come on up. Everybody will stand. I want to do business with God here tonight. I believe there are men and women in this house. Sexual immorality. In whatever, in a graphic way or with just thoughts in your head. You want to come before God and tonight say, God created me a clean heart. I approach your throne of grace. I want to find mercy there. I want you to rescue me speak your affection over me God I want to be set free I want to be free I want to be free this, this, this pornography that's destroying me will you come and will you destroy it God help me crush the thing that's killing me it invites the enemy to attack God I want to be free of this relationship that's really it's really just mostly about two of us making out physical impurity I want to be free God a lust problem in my head television commercials, movies, billboards I want to be free I want to come before you tonight I want to find the God that loves, smiles delights in me neither do I condemn you Those two things go together. When he says that, he's saying, Neither do I condemn you. That's grace, that's kindness. I'm demonstrating kindness and love and grace to you. Now go and leave your life of sin. If you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. This, it's this loving kindness that moves our hearts. It's the fact that God is love and that God delights us and that God is grace and that He's kind and that He's merciful and that He lifts the faces of those who are filled with shame and they become radiant and He is the God who delights. He is the God that we find mercy. That revelation is what transforms us into action. But we got to renew ourselves in the knowledge of God, Colossians 3.10 says. We've got to renew ourselves in that knowledge of who He is day in and day out. Day in and day out. Because the devil comes to you and he lies to you and he says, no, he's ticked. He's mad at you. He's irritated. You failed. You cannot do this. Those little church brats can you do it, but not you. You're different. Your family is too messed up. What happened to you when you were 12, when you were 13, it's too severe. That addiction that you have of pornography, it's too embedded into the fiber of who you are. You'll never be free. Some of you have bought into a lie. You've believed a lie about how God sees you. You've got a false view of God and that false view of God is crippling you. And you want to be free. You want to be free.